Yeah, I was just like, it was in my head a, a lot. What was in your head? College dropout. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's impossible not to, especially when you see it like unfolding. I've heard, well, I'll save that, a lot of this, but yeah, when you just like hear the parts that aren't the finished version and working out the kinks and like change this and a little more emphasis here and shit yeah. like that, it's like, wow, that's cool. And then it gets stuck in your head, especially the fucking Jamie Foxx stuff, which is those, those classic Jamie Foxx. Smokey Robinson, shit like that. Yeah, what is? I'm trying to think of the last movie Jamie Foxx has been in. Um, probably something very recent. Probably I feel something like he's pretty active all the time. I feel like it was. There's been like some. Oh, it was Spider Man. I knew it was something oh, I didn't yeah, like. There you go. Like two months ago. There you go. He was fucking like. I'm trying to think of the last really sick movie. Well, he his was character in, in that Ray or his character Jingo. in Spider Man sucked. I mean, all all the characters in Spider Man sucked, minus uh, William Dafoe. I was just gonna say, like, he's the best. William Dafoe is. It's Willem, is it not? Oh, it is. Willem Dafoe. Oh, you know what? His real name is William, but his stage name is Willem. Willem. <laughs> um. Bobby V's on his way over. Fuck. We're gonna have to put him in a crate too, dude. Bobby V is coming over, and we're supposed to record. Yeah, I don't even know if we've started yet. He's gonna be a huge distraction. He every time he comes over, he's like, "I want to be." I can't imagine it. he's too drunk at this point, though. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I could eat those words. I know very easily. Well, you, the audience, will soon find out on this episode <laughs> of Creatively Bankrupt. Bankrupt. Welcome back, everyone. This is Bobby C. And Uncle Pat. And today we are bringing you unsolicited music, talk, advice, uh, life lessons, enlightenment. Enlightenment. What's been uh, What's been up in your world, Pat? Mm. Not too much. Um, life you, has been. I you got a new job. Yeah, I've had a few weeks off uh, in between jobs, and I've just uh, started a new one. So. Uh, reality check has come real hard uh, this week, but uh, all's good. I guess work is healthy in a way. Yeah. I mean, I would run out of money, so it's good. I was going to say, I, as working. your roommate, I appreciate that you've started working again. Yeah. I mean, it was not a very long interim, but had it been a couple months, I would have started to get a little bit more worried. Yeah. I, <laughs> a couple, I, uh, I tried to stay away from my bank account. Um, but last week I did look at it and I was like, well, uh, I could probably only last like three more months. So which I, blows my mind <laughs> that we have some friends that like rid unemployment money and no money for like a while. Yeah. Well, uh, COVID, well, COVID was different, but I unemployment feel like I've known people. Unemployment was sky high. People were making more and being unemployed during COVID than like than some we shitty were. jobs. I, I I actually think there was a couple weeks in there where Matt and some of our other roommates that were unemployed were making more than I was at the time because it's possible I wasn't making like great wages. And I think there's I forget if it was taxed or not, but they were just getting like thousand bucks a week, and I was like, fuck. At least it was it was a lot. Um, 
but yeah, no, um, that's pretty much been up with me, music related. We've been to a few shows. Um, we'll we'll jump into all of that stuff. Uh, have been back on my listening grind. I know it's touched upon the last time we spoke. There's a lot of podcasts, a lot of podcast stuff. Um, but I've listened to a ton of music in the past but couple of weeks. Which now is... we've canceled Joe Rogan because of his right Pod- actions. Yeah, yeah. Podcasting <laughs> in general is getting canceled. So, um. <laughs> Don't write this down. <laughs> um, no, but um, no, I'm excited to uh, be back on the mic with you today. Uh, we'll get into a few different albums. Um, I think we have a fun Let's Talk today that I think probably is relevant to most of our listeners and most of the world right now. It's been pretty popular out there. Yeah. Uh, if you can guess, good for you. I won't spoil it. Yeah, but, it's, uh, it's, it's a movie and it's not Let Be, but it's a similar documentary. And yep. it's probably being talked about pretty much on every music podcast or regular podcast because it's the intersection of many things. But, and And it's as it should be. Yeah, it's pretty. No. It's pretty cool, and this guy is pretty fucking awesome. Like getting the inside scoop on on what this guy's how his mind works is is pretty nuts. Um, yeah, we're of course talking about artist producer icon Joe Biden, and yeah, right. <laughs> I was um, gonna say Putin, but uh, oh, Putin too. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean this could be very. Very much so. Our last episode before um, Pat and I are drafted, and we are sent <laughs> out to the uh, to the uh, the far east, as it, as it were, um, and uh, went to fight uh, the Ruskies. So yeah, farewell to all of our friends. Um, but yeah, the last two weeks. Uh, yeah, what have you been into? Just a lot of shows. Working on a lot of shows. Um, I think the one that I wanted to talk about just briefly before we do our let's talk was the Mark Ribier show because mm. he's an interesting guy. He is an interesting artist. He is something that was delayed several times over at 1015 where we had originally scheduled him for Halloween night, the 31st of October got bounced to December. He got COVID got bounced again, was finally scheduled for February. Uh, I think he got COVID the second time, right? The Co- first time he, he broke, his, broke his tailbone or something. Yeah, quite literally. He was on a one wheel and fell yeah. and broke his ass. Yeah, which and sounds like it's awful. Um, well, he, he, he had said, and we believed him, that he was unable to move. And for his performance, for people that aren't aware, Mark Ribier was someone that got his start primarily doing a lot of improv and just like very impromptu shorts on YouTube where they were funny, comical. It'd be like, it would be something that you'd almost do in your room. Yeah. I think his, um, even, even before that point, uh, I believe he started from, from interviews and, and some talks that I've heard him go through. He worked a bunch of different, Bullshit corporate jobs, like some sales stuff, some telemarketing stuff, a bunch of you know shit like that. That uh, like a, like a workaholics episode, I guess. Yeah. Like shit like that. And eventually, he was like, "Fuck this! I don't want to do this anymore." Um, I really enjoy playing the piano and doing this and blah, blah blah blah. Right? And I think he just started kind of, I, I believe Dallas or something, or like somewhere in Texas. 
he was just playing like random bars and and people would just sign him up be like yeah sure you can bring your equipment and play at this bar and and a lot of his like early videos uh the the layouts were super weird and he and even like i remember one specifically it was just like on the outdoor patio of a bar and i think like most of the people were inside but he was just outside just fucking jamming doing his thing and was it was it like jazz or was it comedy because he, now he's almost, all the same shit like oh, all, all the same, same shit that he's doing and then uh i know a, a big part of kind of his act was um you know obviously coming off off of uh, coming up with stuff off the dome and, and creating beats and songs you know right in front of you and i think that's kind of where the uh put topics on a piece of paper and put it in a hat and he picks it up and he's like all right eyebrows and he just fucking like eyebrow, eyebrow, eyebrow. and then he starts to make a song about like shit like that right yeah it's stuff that you'd almost sing to yourself in the shower as you're just ruminating on literally anything, he'll be talking about flamingos. We're talking about a pirate fucking you in the ass. And yeah, it's, it's, it's crude, but it's also innocent in a way where it just seems like playful and childish. And what is funny is you mix up these lyrics or these lyrical repetitions with his stylings, which are like very, um, like some of it's like funk, neo soul and funky progressions and cool bass lines, yep. cool drum rhythms. And his thing is he's building loops and it just loops over and over again. And there's this dance element to it. And so because of that, he was a perfect person to come to 1015, which is primarily a nightclub and primarily a dance club. So for us, it was a no brainer. Plus he had known our promoter. So we were happy to have him and we had like a stage built out where he was able to then enter the audience through like a similar, I don't Which must, call, that was just to clarify, that was a request, right? No, that's something we did to surprise him. Oh. Because we were thinking in our minds, we were like, we need to have him be out in the audience some way because normally 1015 is just a flat stage. Wow. Good call by you guys then. And then he was able he was able to walk out into the audience kind of like if you were gonna go see Beyonce or Justin Bieber in concert, those huge megastars when they walk down the center of a like a, they have a there's a mm -hmm. I don't know what you call it in a stage, but there's like a center column like or a catwalk. Catwalk more or less. Type of yeah. Thing. Like an elevated catwalk. And so it's a, a way for you to get into the middle of your audience and like really express or like touch people sign autographs i don't know whatever the fuck you want to call it but it was great for him because as a performer that's kind of his thing is audience interaction and yeah. then he was also given like these huge huge pinatas given like a very special treatment by the club and I had the same feeling i had the same feeling as you after the show about it not quite living up to my musical desires but mm -hmm. on a performance level was interesting yeah he he's definitely a great performer and it's like obviously a very fun time i think the more muso in me wanted to see him do a little bit more of music making which like is if i had to like i think i probably could have counted on my fingers like the unique songs that he made right and then obviously he closes out with um with with songs that people know that's how he 
at least f- from our, my our, both of our experiences, I guess, and from what I know, that he closes out with like one or two songs that people know, right? And asks the audience, "What do you want to hear?" Um, and I'm just pulling up notes. I think he did uh, "Work That Ass for Daddy," and he did one more. I didn't write that down in a second, but "Work That Ass for Daddy" is also, you know, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, which is which is cool that you do that, but it was funny because I was I was popping in and out. I was I was doing some other things like around the venue, and it was funny because he was doing so much stuff where he's yelling at the audience, getting people riled up, putting on a bra, yeah, hitting one, a pinata, like yeah. At one point, he had like fifty people just climbing on stage. He was like, "Open invite, huge to come on stage." Huge concern was, for the venue, by the way. Yeah. We were we were kind of freaking out. We were like, "Fuck." Well, because yeah, and and you you told me this a couple days ago I figured oh they must have told him you need to get people off the stage and you told me like no he did that by himself no he was actually he was he was he conducted himself in a very professional manner very cool manner lovely guy I I'd walked upstairs with him when he first arrived to the venue told him like dude like where have you been I'm so excited to have you and he's like yeah third time's a charm great to be at the venue yeah I'm stoked and he was a funny like down to earth he is very like genuine yeah right it, it definitely seems that way and, and what you said and your experience with them kind of backs that up right uh and it also makes me think of that video before he started making music the iPhone oh, sales. It's one of the best videos of all time That's because so it's like, it's a, it's a very famous... If you've never seen this and you know Mark Rebier or a fan of Mark Rebier, you need to watch this video because it's the funniest thing ever. So this, I believe what happens is Mark Rebier, a young Mark Rebier, probably yeah. in his... It's like mid iPhone teens. seven, maybe. Yeah, mid-teens, maybe... Six, no, five. Maybe, maybe like three or something or two. It was like an early, but regardless of what it was, he was waiting in line and he had been there one of the first people in line when these iPhones were launching. And of course, like back in the day, it was all the craze and I'm sure it still is today. So he's waiting in line and this lady goes up to him and says, I'll buy your spot in line (laughs) for $700. In her mind, she's thinking, if I get to the front of the line, I I can can buy buy as many many iPhones as I want. I can then get on eBay, sell them at a markup. And she does this. Mark Rebia is like, yeah, sure. Like, fuck it. I'm going to take $700. Okay, so the YouTube video says 2008. It says last year's iPhone. So probably three, four. Yeah. Right? I mean, if that. Yeah. But... uh, in any case, he's like, of course, I'm going to take this woman 700 bucks. Right. And in her mind, it was also a good deal because she was like, okay, I'm going to make some money by buying a bunch of iPhones, marking them up and selling them. She gets in and the person at the front's, ma'am, ma'am, you can only uh, you can only buy one or two iPhones at the time. We have a limit per customer. And you can just see that she looks defeated. There's obviously a news reporter there that is covering this. And Mark Ribier walks in not 20 minutes later, buys an iPhone. He says, yeah, you know, yeah, fuck yeah. I just bought an iPhone for $700 (laughs) that the lady gave me. And it was just funny because you see this young teenage Mark Ribier pre-fame. And now all the comments on YouTube have since changed from, wow, that kid's so lucky to like, this kid's a star now. Like, I can't believe it's him. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I that's good. <laughs> he must be like 13 years old, 14 years old. Probably high school. Yeah. So, um, but that was the Mark show. I mean, yeah, I, I wish he, it was more of a party than anything, but at the end of the day, it, um, it turned, it turned out to be less music than I wanted, but it was still great. He was one of the most genuine people to interact with the personnel of the club. Can't say enough of good things. Pat's actually not with us right now. He's grabbing our old ex roommate, Bobby B who is joining us and we'll kind of make this rest. Oh, of this we'll rec- see how this goes. Rest this uh, recording kind of interesting. It's all right. We'll make, we'll make do. Um, is he here? Yeah. I didn't see him even walk in. He's, he's there. There he is. Okay. Cheers. You can. Oh, no. No, no, Charlie's. No, you can take her out. out. You can take her out. You just got, you got to deal with her. My God, she's so fucking loud. That's our producer. That's our fucking producer. Crazy. (laughs) Um, where were we? So I was just closing up the Mark Rebier. Um Yeah. Let's um, let's talk. Did you finish? Did you finish what we thought about the show, though? Yeah, yeah. I summed, I summed it up. Okay. All right. Less filler, Mark. Less filler. I need more music. That's my final takeaway. Yeah. Fair. Anyways, uh, we were talking about it earlier. Uh, Joe Biden's uh, claim to fame. Yes. The rise of his career. The release of College Dropout. We got. Genius, a, uh, a Kanye trilogy that recently came out on Netflix and was directed by Cootie Simmons and Chika Oza. And it's a, I want to say like five or six hour, just epic retelling, mostly actually of Kanye's start and specifically like the college um college dropout era mm-hmm. and like pre that like college dropouts the second episode for give you context so the first episode's yep. just like understanding who he was who he was kind of his upbringing like how prominent he was and producing stuff and then just seeing his desire to try and come from you know a producer producing like ridiculously famous and popular tracks to try and yeah, become like a being, rapper being on like blueprint respected yeah being on the blueprint being the guy and in the like, street where everyone was like you got to get beats from kanye mm-hmm. and being that type of person to then being one of the world's greatest stars and i like this film because i i mentioned the beatles um in our in our pre-tape like discussion uh what it was similar to that was it was a fly on the wall perspective where you were just um kind of seeing cootie like sit in the background recording kanye saying very little you see kanye interacting with other producers you see him in real time working on these songs that you later know go on to be just massive huge hits but you can see him working through it methodically changing the Mm -hmm. changing the pace changing the tone and that's cool it's also a pretty unique film because the film starts when kanye i believe is 18 or 19 and it's it's crazy because it's like uh if you ever seen the film boyhood it reminds me a lot of that Mm. where you 
the it starts with a young main character protagonist where in this case Kanye the, oh this movie yeah I've never and seen this movie. it then captures this life uh, like a 21 year recording of Kanye yeah to see like okay where was he in the early 2000s like the very early 2000s and how where is he today in in 2022 mm-hmm. yeah I thought for me just getting a an insight into like the mind of him and like his aspirations and how much pushback he got on like at the end of the day shit that he knew it was good and was good eventually and just getting all that pushback of him people being you know introducing him and and jumping into the camera with cootie you know like, this is the best producer rapper and he's like shut the fuck up I'm not a producer rapper. I'm a rapper. Like, stop, right. stop talking He's about like, me as he, a producer. Like, I'm trying to rap. I'm fucking better than all these people. I want to be up in the in the talks with with Jay and, and and whoever, right? And just like having that resilience and just like kind of him forming his own like brand and and becoming that confident of a person. And he at the end, like he knew his shit was good. Right. And people like just wouldn't show him the light of day. No, not at all. And that's what I liked about Cootie being in it and Cootie also like narrating parts of it, but then also capturing him when he was so young because you could tell Cootie's going from Channel Zero to then filming what is a relatively unknown or up-and-coming producer and Cootie seeing this like the the opportunity with Kanye or seeing that Kanye had the potential to be this fucking amazing superstar. Mm -hmm. The world basically there is probably a time where Kanye was the number one artist in the world easily. And if not anytime he releases an album, he's, he's number one, he charts and stuff like that. But it's just kind of amazing to have that faith in him. And that's cool about the documentaries that you start so early in his career that you see a lot of stuff that in a normal documentary would be left out or would not have ever been filmed where you see Kanye. There's specifically one part that really resonated with me and they're sitting in a Burger King and there it's before he even signs with Rockefeller. uh, I believe it's before his subsequent breakthrough and he just kind of reflects on his anonymity and he's like, mm-hmm. I won't be able to do this next year. Like, no one knows who I am. And the, the preceding scenes were him just walking around New York, mm-hmm. unknown. And it's it's a bit... It's unpre- like when he just moved to New York. Yeah, and yeah. it's a bit unprecedented in a film or a documentary about a huge star to have that much time before they made it and to just see him, like struggling like like you said like people trying to like box him in the entire time and him like just being so smart about like okay i need to get in the room with jay-z i gotta show jay-z i know how to rap that way he puts me on the blueprint that way i can get on these songs that way i can tell these people and like it's crazy how much work went into even releasing his first album yeah even though he was signed yeah i think that's i think you bring up an interesting point there too wait with I think first, how different 
like the music the music industry is today and how important record labels were at that time and even him playing tracks in in, in the car for other rappers and them being them being like very fucking into it and he goes into a an office of a of Rockefeller and like who the fuck is that person like what do they know about music that's telling him like yeah I'm not not super stoked yeah. about this right and like that was the golden ticket at the time now you can do whatever the fuck you want you can re- release music by yourself and just let let the public take it where it goes years ago you would need that connection well you need the distribution in in age without internet and that approval and that approval you need the marketing you need the tools to get the recording it's not and even though he and and that was the crazy thing about college dropout is he was going to over to jamie fox's place or going over to other people's places to get stuff recorded and they were saying that rockefeller was like wasn't giving him marketing any tools and so he was spending his own money for like the through the wire video and spending his own mm-hmm. just yeah it, it's pretty amazing and and that that was the exact same thought i was having i think we talked about it a week or two ago when we were first starting the first episode yeah and all the, i think a, a second point to that is uh, and you know this applies to all all parts of life all professions and shit like if you don't speak up if you don't put yourself out there, yeah, like you'll, you'll never fucking get what you want. And he was so good at that, right? Like, let me give me one, like, especially when he was in the in the studio with Jay Z and, and spitting that one verse. And fuck, I don't know, what song is that? Um, uh, it is. Uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but him being just like, let me get fifteen minutes in here. Let me spit real quick. Let me know what you think. And and Jay Z said that after he was like. If you don't speak up, you won't get shit or like, you know, something along those lines. I don't know the exact words are. Yeah, it was. OK, so it was on the bounce. That's it. Yep. And and it was also prefacing like, yo, if he f- if you don't go in and you don't impress Jay-Z, then it all it's those, also kind of a yeah, death wish. Yeah. All the <laughs> all time. those shots. That was the, the funny thing is, I mean, he was capable and you knew he was. So he had the belief. But like all those shots, if you if you like mess up or you're just not on it or you're really not as hot as you think uh-huh. and you go in there with that confidence, then next thing you know, Jay-Z is going to be like, oh yeah, that guy's for sure just a producer. Right. Exactly. Like keep exactly. him, keep him making beats, nothing else. But no, yeah, I, that, that's, that was like the, the first two parts of the documentary, you didn't watch the third part. Uh, I haven't we can, gotten there yet. Yeah, we'll, we, we can talk we'll about wrap it. wrap up next time with it. We can talk think, about shortly. it. I think that the cool part of the, the first two is it's more cohesive because it's telling that early um, start to fame, like his claim to fame. And um, And he's just, dude, he's just one of the smartest musical minds. Yeah. Like that there's gotta be right. And uh, a couple other things I I really like, like specific parts. Um, Pharrell has got to be just like the fucking coolest guy ever. Every time I hear Pharrell talk about music, it doesn't sound it's like it's not technical at all. He just talks about like moods and vibes, and I can feel that you're you're just throwing everything out and 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 sticking to what you want to do. And I don't know. He just like puts these things and all these paraphrases and and, and shit. And it's like God damn, Pharrell is so cool. When he listens to Through the Wire the first time, and he just walks out, he just leaves the room. 
and he comes back. He's like, oh my fucking God, like this guy is so good. And I'm like, I've seen Pharrell, like the Tribe Called Quest documentary, Pharrell's very much like that. It's like, nothing was touching Tribe then. Nothing was touching Tribe. Tribe was the best. And um, when he's at the fucking um, Maggie Rogers I was just, shit. I was just about to say the when master class. N- when he's at NYU, the master like, class, and he listens to the Maggie Rogers song, like and he's like, oh my God. Like, and, and everything sounds so like broad and like generic, but at the same time, coming from Pharrell, it's like, I kind of know what he means too. Well, he also <laughs> he also has a great ear, yeah, in that sense because you're seeing these videos with him, con- like giving he, credit to some dude. of the best artists. But yeah. I hear Pharrell talk, I'm just like, yes, God, yeah, prophet. I think um, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed that like Burger King scene. I on like a sad note, but like also a fitting note to understand who Kanye was. I liked how it dived into his personal life, especially with his mom, mm-hmm. because oh yeah, it's it is like that is like that is a good way to like understand. One of the things she said, which was funny, and there's there was a podcast I was listening to with uh, with Cootie, but it was talking about like about arrogance and about like she's like like it was I'm paraphrasing and I kind of forget the exact thing, but Donda yeah. was telling Kanye at the time like you're arrogant or you're, you're confident, which is good. But like, you know, you know, a giant can't look in the mirror. Some, something along those lines of like, you got to like hone down your arrogance. Cause some people are going to like judge you because of that. And yeah. it's, it's funny because she like throughout the film, like understands his music gets him on such a good and like deep level. It's like, it's a really strong bond and you see that. Um, and, but she also like tempers parts of him, which, it like it becomes sad because it, it of course like she passes and it kind of goes into yeah I, the aftermath and think, especially in the third one yeah so I haven't I haven't gotten into the third one yet but I think a lot of just the way the Donda scenes are incorporated I think you just have that in the back of your mind like oh no like it's just building up to this yeah. very sad moment that we know is is it's gonna happen at some point within this and that's just kind of like that's that's the vibe i got the whole time just like all the scenes with her because they're also they're also like heartwarming yeah like and like really like gives you that family vibe and and the support and how much she believes in him and everything and you just know that that part's you, you gonna know come. What's coming? Exactly. And I would say, yeah. If you could never, if you were someone that could never sympathize with Kanye West or understand him or understand his personality, this documentary was was great in giving you, um, giving you understanding to like who he was as a person, where he came from, and that sounds very generic to say, but I, I felt that to be very much yeah. true. And it's it's funny because even when he's he's a young. Um, up and coming star, you can kind of see his arrogance or his his desire to like be greater. And yeah. of course, now that's what most people know him as, though. And that is like that, and that's the part I have tr- like more trouble reconciling or just trouble even like. I also I don't think his music is as strong as it once was, or I'm not at least as interested yeah. in it. Yeah. So that's why I know the the first two parts of the documentary. I definitely definitely recommend anyone watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's great. It's great storytelling. The third part, it, once you watch it, we can talk about it a bit next week. But yeah, we'll wrap we'll wrap it up quick. I'm it's sure. a lot of history that people know, and it's a lot of more of Kanye that people know, and so I don't think it is as 
interesting for someone to watch because I think the yeah. first two parts are cool because no, that's it's fair. unseen. They, they even like played the preview of the next episode at the end and a lot of like modern day shit. And at least to me, I was thinking, oh, this is when it's going to get like super hyped up and there's going to be all these, I don't know, at least things Kanye has been involved in in the past well, it, it, years yeah it's like five it's ten like years three like, years are coming in two are parts. not not even close to what we're talking about with these first two episodes yeah um so i could see how i'll i might be less interested in the next one but i don't know we'll we'll, we'll wrap that up next time uh two last parts i wanted to mention kanye not kanye kanye <laughs> that was just how cootie kept on pronouncing uh, his mom also kanye oh, okay Kanye, the emphasis is totally different. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Uh, I Every single time I heard that, I was like, why do we call him Kanye? It's Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that was interesting. Or and when then, I just uh, go ahead. quickly interrupt, when he was um, checking out Clue at the studio, they were like, uh, some like white oh, person in like front Kane. was like, Kyan? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what it is. Kyan? Kyan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> Um, what an idiot that guy must feel like now. Oh my god, to be televised and then like now just to be like, <laughs> oh my yeah, right. Like fifteen years later, like oh, I know there was a camera in my face when that happened. I hope they'll never air that. And then to be sitting like on your couch now, fifteen years later, like oh fuck. And you you, you were just like the guy. You're the set. You're the no one recognizes the me. Yeah, luckily it's fifteen years, or I mean even longer than 20, that. Probably. Twenty, probably. Yeah. yeah, years. But you're just like, nope. Well, there it is. Your kids are like, D- Dad, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Um, also, Jamie Foxx. Oh, chill guy. I thought that scene was super sick. I've heard him talk about like that exact moment in interviews before. Of him just being like, talking about how, how brilliant of a mind Kanye has. Kanye, I had just said it again. Kanye. <laughs> um but just just him coming up to him and just and you can see it like i've heard it jamie fox interviews of him saying like he just got in my ear played this song gave me like his idea for it and i immediately was like yeah let me get in the booth let me try my shit out and then he just comes out with she wants a marvin gay some luther vandross and that's a fucking great scene and jamie fox looks so young there too yeah yeah he's like someone that hasn't aged poorly by any means but has definitely aged like he like he he lo- looks great today but it's just funny because you see like these very young versions of kanye i think i think jamie fox it's the hair for sure too yeah yeah he's got that hairdo going which is really funny um but yeah just the way like i've heard him talk about that exact moments in interviews before and then seeing it actually happen him get him walk into the studio and just Smokey Robinson. Yeah, you can like, see wow. you can see the final takes on a lot of very popular songs. Yeah, I mean, almost any song on College Dropout is huge. Like All Falls Down, you see, uh, you see, I believe, I'll Fly Away for a quick moment. Of course, there's a big part about Jesus Walks. There's a yeah. big part about Get Them High. That one um, was included. Slow Jams, obviously. Yeah. We're just talking about through that. The through the wire is, is probably one. Is probably like an hour. That's the one with Pharrell when he hears Through the Wire, like. Yeah, I understands what through the wire means. That's when he just leaves the room. He's like, 
what the fuck, dude? Did you get that the first time? He's rapping through the wire. He's got a wire in his mouth. Yeah. I forget who's sitting in the chair, but he's like, yeah, I got that. I, I just, when I watched that, I was like, I don't know if that guy actually did get that. <laughs> yeah, well, I forgot who was like, man, I should fucking lose an arm because maybe I'll yeah, rap yeah, better. Yeah, that was, um, fuck. I don't remember who that was either. I think it was one of the comedy guys that Cootie was mm. associated with because he was driving the car and he was like, I sh- yeah, I should get in an accident. Like <laughs> that'll, that'll help me fucking yeah. think of some shit. Yeah. But um, no, no, I thought it was a great film. Um, recommend. It for is. Sure. It's awesome. Yeah. People see it. Um, kind of a nice little segue. Kanye West, among other controversies he's been in recently, um, specifically, I'm not, we don't need to get into them. It's, it's, it's a moot point. But he was also seen with these two artists. I want to talk about their album. He was seen with Beach House. Um, oh, really? Yeah. There were some shots of Beach House and Kanye in the studio together, which I don't know if he'll turn into anything. Kanye's often in the studio with a ton of people, like Soldier Boy, and then just like never releases the music. That's fairly like him or like Kanye. He's, I don't know very meticulous in that way but he was in the studio with beach house and i thought this was a perfect tie-in and way to talk about what we've been listening to and the one thing that we've both been listening to and i can't really say enough good things about is uh beach house's one two melody which Mm -hmm. is the kind of their most recent album i want to say it's like their eighth or ninth album but pretty grand and long in a in in what i like to think of as a good way i don't know you you had the note about it being like 80 minutes but i don't know if that was a yeah i think it was kind of a wider topic um 80 minutes is a lot 80 minutes is for sure a lot i mean that's like four pieces of like wax like it's, it's a fucking long album like Trying to think of the last hundred and or um, eighty minutes eight. over. <clears throat> oh, they break it up now. I have to do math. Four plus four plus five plus five. So twenty or sorry, eighteen songs. Right, eighteen songs, eighty minutes. It's kind of a long listen. Does Beach House have enough discography where you could do you could take acid and watch, like listen to their albums from for a start full acid f- trip? I'm yeah. sure they have like twelve albums, maybe. Yeah, yeah and they're all uh, one, two, three, four, five, I'm six, seven, like a total eight. I would say. Wait, I'm gonna eight albums. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's good though. I enjoyed it. It's um. Not much of a big departure from what I would think of Beach House. No, I think there's some like really cool tunes in there. Uh, I don't know. I'm not like on the edge of my seat the whole time listening to that album, I'd say. Yeah. But I have no qualms against it. I think it's really good. Um, Much like an album we'll touch upon in a bit as well. But um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I, I thought it was um, a... Sorry, one second. Our producer, Charlie, is making weird sounds. Um, <laughs> no, I thought I thought 1-2 Melody was a... Like anything... I mean, it was it was true and true Beach House. If I 
it was very much expected. Uh, they've released so many good albums. I think a miss on this one would be almost strange for them. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I want to say it's probably the album I've liked the most in recent years, especially the more I listen to it. Mm-hmm. It has larger scope and maybe that's due to length but also due to like instrumentation and the production on it is is very tight it's very clean there's a lot of um just awesome ways in which they create these atmospheric and moody vignettes and stories that like one of the things i like about their music is it's very great at transporting you to different scenes um and not like maybe lyrically but just like on an emotional level because it's very uh ethereal yeah uh i agree with all that i think uh so it was interesting for me when i listened to this album i listened to it back to back with uh sports new album called get a look which i'm not familiar with actually very similar it was very interesting for me to listen to these back to back because I a few times forgot which one I was listening to. <laughs> like, they were that similar, like, very dream pop, very beach yeah. poppy. Um, and, like, su- such similar sounds that I, I, I truly forgot, like, which one I was listening to yeah. at the time. But uh, I don't know. I, I think it was safe for them. I guess in a way. Okay. That's okay. So we're going to talk about an album in a little bit. And that was my reaction to that album. Um, this album, I didn't have the exact same reaction, but I'm also a very big beach house fan. It like fits very well into the calming yet dark music. I like, and has a lot of like ties to electronica in its, um influences and where it goes uh-huh. uh one thing that i just had to note was that like victoria legrand like the singer is for sure front woman who fucks as far as like just lead woman like very powerful with her singing and her ability to convey emotions um I remember what I was bringing about Beach House, and I forgot to write this down, but I was doing some scrolling just now. Was it the uh, Pitchfork article I linked of that? Uh... <laughs> Is it about the Kendrick Lamar thing? No. no uh, because uh, Money Trees is Silver Soul backwards. Did you know that? The, I, I, the, sh- I should. That's the, crazy that I the don't. The Money Trees sample... The Silver Soul Backwards. No Silver, way. Like, very popular song. But, or, I mean, at least for Beach House, I think it's probably up there for them. That's... Um, but it's... If you listen to... And I'm, there actually is a... Uh, it must be a TikTok person. I've seen it on Instagram. Some guy who, like, shows samples. Like, I bet you didn't know this sample was on this song. Uh, and does that. And he kind of, like, goes through how how one would have worked that out. Um, and that's like the coolest one I've ever seen is Silver Soul of Beach House going forward, then pauses it, loops it backwards, and then you just hear like the Money Trees mm. beat come in. With the... oh. it's, it's just like very cool. Okay. Um, I, I never I, knew that before. I never knew that as well. I might. I learned that last week. Okay, so TikTok does have some use. I. Uh... Yeah, I, the the article I was linking was just like 
I don't know. I've done this before on the show and I always love pulling pitchfork articles because they just pull like the uh, writers pull like the fucking weirdest shit out of their ass and like do such like elaborate descriptions of music, which I guess it's fine. It, It works. Music is something that's to be listened to. And I don't think you can ever really like truly review something uh, perfectly. So it's funny when you get these very like elaborate and illustrious ways to describe an album. Yeah. But, um, Philip, uh, Sherburn for pitchfork music writes their evolution. Is that an author? Uh, it's probably just one of their writers that they have a pitchfork. That's what I meant. Okay. Yeah. Their, uh, their evolution brings to mind the ship of Theseus, a classic philosopher's paradox. Imagine a vessel that over time. That's if you replace a bunch of pieces. Is it the same ship? It looks identical, but can it truly be said to be the same same ship? Beach house in contrast have steadily upgraded their materials, (laughs) replacing oak with titanium and sail cloth with Kevlar. They have swapped clean tone electric guitar for surging Suge's funk. Know. Actually, just, one thing I did see on Pitchfork, uh, Glitch Princess by Yule, which I highlighted a couple yeah, weeks ago, yeah, yeah. was put on Best New Music after our podcast came oh, out. Oh, there you go. So maybe they're maybe they're poaching. <laughs> well, I have a, I, I haven't have, read it yet, but if I see anything that I said in this article, we suing. Yeah, we we got him. We got you, Pitchfork. <laughs> we know you're secretly <laughs> listening in. Um, the most trusted voice in music, <laughs> Pat and Bobby. <laughs> Yeah. Um, or I should say Uncle Pat and Bobby C. But okay, so yeah, yeah. Beep, beep. Beep, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to have to edit that out so you don't fucking dox us. Uh, I'm sure it's very easy to deal. I've given out where I work, so. True. Um, but yeah, no, okay. So an album that I was talking about that I felt like a safe move and not something that I was too impressed by was actually Moonchild Starfruit. Mm-hmm. Um, similar in that strong lead woman. Um, and similar front in... Front woman. The, yes, front woman. And, um, she fucks. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, but no, I thought the album was consistent but in the same way like kind of boring at times yeah um i liked it amir um, navranch like the lead singer has such a great voice that's hard not to like her mm-hmm. um was not thrilled about these songs on the album i don't know how about you i th- i would agree with that i think it was pretty one-dimensional um Nothing about it I like disliked. I just uh, wasn't really, again, like it sitting on the edge of my seat for it. I wasn't really that drawn in. Uh, I did enjoy some of the features that they had. I thought those were kind of out of the box and just like Tank and the Bangas. I really enjoy. I've been a fan of them for mm-hmm. for a while. I thought that was like kind of a cool mashup of those two different styles coming together. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think it was pretty one-dimensional and, and didn't really come out of the box at all and kind of the same feel throughout the album. Yeah, that that, that that was the thing I noted is like, in which I, I understand how you're, you were kind of feeling about the Beach House album because I was feeling similar and it's similar how do you just said throughout this album of just it wasn't i wouldn't call it like monotonous but it felt like i was unsure about like songs like if i was listening in my car which sometimes is a good thing 
but sometimes not like I just wasn't even able to tell like different songs apart. Yeah. Uh, very much due to the production on them being super similar, the instrumentation, like, and because the way that she, like, um, Navran like sings and like her like stylings are so similar from song to song that you almost need the features, which is why I like the songs with features. Right. Um, specifically the the first song in the album i think is the best and i it's it's um called tell him and it starts off the album great because and it's it's a song that i think works on the album because one it has this like undeniable groove it's catchy and groovy on its first listen the bass it's so well off over this like cross sticking that already like when you're getting into it you're just like moving with it yep and then um lala hathaway who is duetting on this song is like beautiful and it's recognizable to hear this back and forth between the two singers and so i was like okay that is a great album like song off the album and that's what i think really works on the album uh-huh. you then almost go directly into the next song little things which in my mind represents the rest of the album which is like drier at times consistent like i said and like you said but just not immediately catching your attention and i don't think it ever really does it's not like i on more listens there were subsequent listens where i would find songs i really liked and i was like okay that is a good song that's a good song but um yeah i most, think most of it i was like i think what happens with like these type of albums where everything there's not a lot of uh, differentiation and like a big range of what they're trying to achieve. I think you get a lot of skips, right? And you're yeah. just kind of radiating was... towards like the the ones that are really good, and the rest of it just kind of gets lost, right? Yeah. I think that's kind of how I felt about most of these, like all, all the. The Moon Child, The Beach House, and I touched upon the sports ones. I think those all kind of followed the same script there, where the good ones really stick out, but the other ones you probably won't listen to like right. ever again. Which is, I just like, just to make a weird parallel with something we were talking about previously, is uh, Donda. That was like an also yeah. an album that had a lot of great songs, had a lot of skips, and I think, I mean, it's tough, like as an artist, or if I were like an artist that was creating like amazing music and I really was passionate, I wouldn't want to take a lot of stuff out of the, off an album. I'd want to release as much as possible. And I, I can like sympathize with that, but sometimes there are like these songs where it's like, what did this add or what was this bringing to the album on greater scale? And, and could we have, could this, could we have done without this song? Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, um, regardless, like there are great songs on the Starfruit, uh, the Moonchild album and one, two melody, the beach house album. Yeah. Listen to them. Um, I wanted to give like a quick shout out, but not too much attention to the next two albums. Um, one was Alice glass, who was the former, f- former crystal castles, which is like if you don't know who Crystal Castles is, check them out. I mean, it's pretty like household early like 2010s 
indie dance, but also like the start of like a lot of this like crazy synth, like, like I feel like people like a hundred Gex would have been like heavily influenced by like the early start of Crystal Castles. But uh-huh. Alice Glass comes back. She has a fairly good album. I don't have too much to say on it because I didn't listen to a ton, but I didn't listen she, to it. She's pretty I, I like her a lot, so I'd listen to that. And then um I don't know if we, we don't have to go into it too much, but I would say one of the albums I like the most out of the albums we just talked about is Big Thief's Dragon New yeah. War Mountain and I Believe in You because it's unfortunately I don't have a lot of language to describe music like this because I'm not a big folk or like Americana head but this album was aw- like amazing in my mind I love yeah. listening to it it was funny it was like touching it it went to a lot of different places and I don't I think because it was folk, there were so many different songs, but it wasn't overly long. Well, it was another 80-minute album. Oh. Well, it went faster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that was... that was. I, I much, much more enjoyed this one than the Beach House one. Yeah. Um, I well, thought there there was a lot of, like, really cool flavors in this. Yeah. And some real, some real bangers. Uh, I mean... Simulation Swarm is a 10 out of 10 song i thought um but i i had no i had no qualms listening to this for 80 minutes i was happy doing it the whole time whereas the seeing some of the other longer ones i was at times felt like i was struggling to get through it yeah uh this one didn't have that problem i thought this was a was an a plus yeah, I think this is one of the better albums I've listened to. And I think, to your point, why it was elevated or you could catch your attention was because the the singer, like, Adrian uh, Lenker, I believe, was is able to, like, just tell really good stories or just be really captivating when she's singing. Um, and it's this, like very weird Americana narrative she gives to you of like all sorts of different things. And I felt like the album art especially was very, was very like it, it is, it encapsulated the album like perfectly. Cause it's like an owl, a teddy bear, a T-Rex sitting around uh, a campfire. And it's just like a rough sketch. And that's kind of what the album feels like. Is yeah. It? And yeah. I was like, okay, this is, this is like a really good, I I know what I'm getting into. So I actually thought about this today because uh, Sales released a new single. Um, I'm a big fan of Sales, and uh, I guess TikTok is a big fan of them as well. But uh, they released a new single, and their like cover art for the single was just <laughs> was just like one of the drawings that uh, the lead singer had done, and she posted a picture on her Instagram of like 50 different like what like watercolor or like uh pastel type drawings that she's done and just Mm -hmm. put them on her wall and she just picked one of those i was like yeah it's there's not much thought that goes into this i just picked one of these drawings i did and that's kind of like it made me think of this album i was like there's there's either like a big reason behind this or there's just no thought at all thrown into this choice of an album cover it's just a sketch thrown together really quick. Yeah. It, it looks like anyone could have done it type of thing, which I thought was funny. 
Yeah, but I, I it's like it's either, and then you also have like the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like you're hiring some some artists yeah. to like put together some crazy shit. Like that makes you think the Magdalena Bay one, where like it's very, very, very complex that I've talked about before, the Mercurial World one. Yeah, where it's like very nuts, and there's all this different like shit going in terms of colors and like the heat of it and like all this different stuff going on and then this is just like a little quick sketch of yeah. some animals yeah and in, <laughs> and in both times i think representative of the the albums that they uh yeah right which is they, that they cover um but yeah so like those were two albums i just i i didn't have too many like long drawn out thoughts about them but just wanted to share with the audience yeah yeah for sure um I'm going to put a pin in this one. I will lastly touch. <clears throat> I'm going to throw a little hate on a group I love. <laughs> I'm all good with that. Crying Ben, man. I love those guys so much. I was an early adopter of their music years and years and years ago. He signed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't know if this was ever true, but some person I met at Coachella once is like, I work for the Hard Rock in Vegas. We just signed Queen Bit. I'm going to go head over there. Like, you want to come with my crew? And I just, like, left friends of mine until I followed this random person, um, which was really funny. But regardless, they just finalized their, like, collaboration with Leon Bridges. Um, the first two years ago was called Texas Sun. This one's called Texas Moon. This one's five songs. The first one was four songs. I want some new shit, honestly. Like, I like I don't have any problem with this music. I think it's all pretty good. I think it's, like, a cool collaboration between the two. Like, they make good music together, but, like, kind of bored of it. I'd like to see some more original stuff. Like, Leon Bridges made a great new album. I thought Mordecai from 2020 from Crying Ben was good. Wasn't amazing. Wasn't amazing. Um, I thought Contado Al Mundo was better. And then obviously the universe. Sorry for the noise. You. Our producer Charlie is running around. Um, but I'm I'm kind of sick of this collaboration between Crying Ben and Leon Bridges, and I hope <laughs> this is the last of it. That's all I have to say. Charlie, there we go. Uh, no, I I I, I echo that. Um, Two years for nine songs. It's not it, if you ask me. <laughs> Actually, what I what I also said. There was a good uh, YouTube video of Anderson Pac reviewing like Christmas songs, uh, and him being like, "I hate Christmas music. This shit's the worst. Like, oh god, all this is gross." It was probably for like Complex or like some yeah. shit like that, right? Um, and they played him like one of the Coringbin Christmas songs, and he was like, "Oh, like fucking best shit ever." And then he goes at the very end, he goes, "Can we work together, guys?" And ever since I saw that, I was like, that would be a great collab. Yeah. Well, it's something they are too, their styles, they could work together, but they're very different. Very different, but they could certainly work together. Yeah. Especially they, from the drum perspective. Like, the drummer for Coinbin is like one of the better drummers I've like ever seen. Yeah. He's, and, and, and I've talked to some drummers, some pretty like decent drummers about this, about like how good that guy is, especially like listening to their live shit. But like he does not miss a note and they call it like in the pocket. Yeah. Right. Like being in the pocket, you you do not miss a note. You just, you're, well, it's like you're in the pocket, great groove. Yeah. Able to lay down and like, like anyone can build upon it. Right. And like, that's what 
the feedback is to uh, f- for that guy all the time. He's just like a very underrated drummer, and obviously Anderson Pack comes from the drumming kind of background. So I think that would be a great collab. Scratch the unbridges. We're done with the unbridges. Let's close that chapter and let's move on, Corey Ben. Thank New you. Chapter. And I'll see you in August, June, July, whenever they're coming. Yeah, at some point. But yeah, no, I uh, I agree to that. I, I did you have any other music that you want to touch on? I'm kind of. I don't uh, think this week. I have some other things written down, but uh, probably more stuff I'd like to get in a little more in depth. Yeah. No. I I think. Oh, Caroline Polachek. I'm I'm really growing on her. Jay uh, Billions came out since last time we talked. Another single of hers. She's playing with Dua Lipa in San Jose uh, in a couple weeks. We're going to have to make a trip down. Um, uh, she's really growing on me. I'm really I digging Caroline Polachek. I was joking about going to Dua Lipa. But... I mean, I would go. Don't get me wrong. Dua Lipa is I don't know great. why she's not playing Chase. She should be playing Chase. Yeah, I don't know why. I think there's a lot of performances, including like the Justin Bieber one that just happened in the Bay Area that was down in San Jose. And I don't know why. Oh, that wasn't a chase either? That was San Jose? That was down in San Jose. That's oh why God. so many people that we knew were going down well, on the Caltrain. I feel like every one I saw there was that lived here. I'm surprised that many people went down. I think that. it's the draw of, 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 Justin of Justin Bieber. I saw, I saw it like a uh, Sam Boyd. Docks yeah. his ass. Uh, he went down with his girlfriend. I saw like which a, is actually uh, a cool move a, for him. Like a box box seat of like fifteen guys, which I thought was funny. Guys, yeah, at a Bieber concert of not no one we know or people we know. I don't know what I should say right now. Um, both. That's, okay. All right. Maybe. All right. All right. That's interesting. I would not have thought we had. Um, I just, I, that's, I mean. I know. That's, that's why I was surprised. That's it's like, really... you went down there with 15 guys for a Bieber concert? Wow. Okay. Well, I, you learn new stuff about the people you know every day. I mean, I'd rather go to Dua Lipa. I would for sure rather go to Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa is awesome. I, I. Dua Lipa and the baby. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. He's canceled. Yeah. We're going to have to bleep that out. We can't, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to get canceled just by association. Um, but yeah, no, we'll, uh, we'll keep all of our fans, uh, updated on our next shows, uh, that we're going to go to, which may or may not include Dua Lipa and, um, I don't know. Are the Fuji in the baby? Um, no, what do we got? Um, when are the Fuji's coming to town or did we just fucking miss I the... think we missed that. Ah, shit. I mean, it was like a thousand dollars. Not actually, but uh. it was a lot. Um, oh wait no the fuji's cancel reunion tour yeah there you go never mind oh man i also got bad news this week i had tickets for japanese breakfast in london oh no and she postponed to the fall (sighs) shit so that's not gonna work i'm not gonna go back to london for for one show yeah i mean you did you see her when she was in town here no that was why i was so excited to see her in london because i missed her in san francisco and she also opened with luna lee who I love, who's yeah. also releasing an album tomorrow, I believe. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a bummer. But, you know, life goes on. Damn. All righty. Well, until, until then, until London, until next two weeks from now. Yep. We'll leave you all to go watch the Kanye oh. doc. Go, uh, go write some, um, I don't know, Twitter rants about baby, And, uh... <laughs>
go uh go support your uh local uh troops uh we'll see you guys all out on the russian front in like a week or two and until then we hope that you are listening to good music everywhere uh this has been bobby c and uncle pat all righty we'll see you next time folks peace